As you sit and listen to Taylor sing about the goodness of God and hear Alec preach that God's promises are yea and amen, it's hard to realize the faith struggles and the pain they have lived through and the grief they continue to walk in. As Alec says in today's episode, believing that God could do the miracle in herself and while she wasn't seeing the results in that moment, she was believing for others. At the same time, praying for herself, but also believing for other people is the reason their lives didn't look fake. Alec and Taylor Keating are authentic in their faith and their struggles. Grab a snack and some tea or coffee and join me back at the Dream Team table while Alec and Taylor talk about faith, grief, questions, and Psalm 23. Hey, Prime Majors. I can't believe we're in season two. Last season, we heard some powerful testimonies and stories of how my guests discovered their own path to purpose. We learned of their challenges, triumphs, and lessons they learned along the way. This season, we're diving deeper. Brand new guests and some old friends with a brand new twist. Our mission is the same, to offer you a front row seat to stories that can help you change your life. Whether you're seeking a fresh perspective, in need of inspiration, or craving the motivation to steer your life toward a greater purpose, we're here to help. So as we kick off the new season, I encourage you to listen, learn, and if needed, change. Let the stories shared here transform your thinking and allow God to repurpose you for His purpose. Your life has a divine blueprint, and it's time to uncover it, live it, and inspire others to do the same. Season 2 starts now. Hey everybody, we are back with Alec and Taylor Keating, and last time we sat down, we talked about their upbringing and the testimonies that um, that they had and how God brought them together, and today we're going to talk about their family and uh, some of the struggles and triumphs that they've had as a couple and as family, and so we're going to start with talking about Shep. So tell us who Shep is. Shep is our baby. <laughs> His name's Shepherd. He is five months old now, and it's going so fast. It mm. is. I feel like we just had him. It's going so yeah. fast. He's the best baby. He's so happy. Aww. He smiles all the time. He only cries when he's hungry and tired. Nice. He loves his he loves his family. He loves church. <laughs> he told us. Um, yeah. <clears throat> well, you can tell by the grin. I can. I know, but yet, yesterday we were walking him into uh, Parkway Kids to go drop him off to the nursery. And we like walked through those doors and he started kicking and Uh-oh. moving his hands. And it's like he knows where he is now. Mm-hmm. And um, he's got he, a whole bunch of aunts and uncles so, in there. The he's so that's sweet. Love it. He's Love the it. Best. So, um, Tell me, I know the story, or I know what y'all have shared. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me some of the of the backstory. Of, first of all, why is he named Shepherd, or does that come into play with with your story? Yeah, it comes into play with our story. Okay. So, in September of twenty twenty, we went to Houston for the day. And we were in the Galleria and we had said like, you know, we want to wait a little bit to have kids and we wanted to enjoy each other and enjoy life. And 
all things. And we went and sat at the um, sushi restaurant at the Galleria that's by the ice skating rink that has all like the sushi on the train and you like pick off what you want. We're sitting there talking and we're just talking about life and what we've been doing and all that kind of stuff. And um, we got on the topic of kids and we both decided that day that we were ready to like start a family, like whatever that looked like. And so we went upstairs to Nordstrom Mm -hmm. and they had a big sale and we bought an outfit for a little boy and an outfit for a little girl. And we were so excited and we went home, we put it in the guest bedroom closet, which we knew that inevitably that would be the nursery. We put it in the closet and we were like, we can't wait to see like which one we get to use first. And Well, they say that like you need to try for a year before you go to a doctor or anything. And so um, I've always struggled with ovarian cysts and PCOS. And so I knew that it was going to be difficult for me to have kids. Um, But we started this journey and it got to the year mark and nothing had happened. And, you know, we had done everything by the book per se. I'd taken the vitamins. I'd taken the supplements. I ate right. I I mean, I did everything because I wanted to be a mom so bad and nothing was working. And so we got in touch with a doctor in Houston at the Houston Fertility Clinic. And um, we went and met him and he was like, yeah, you're never going to be able to have kids. You have to go straight to IVF. And we're like, what do you mean straight? Like, that's $30,000. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you mean we have to go straight to IVF? 30000 around. Around. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we, he was like, I have to do the surgery on you. Like, we got to um, do all this to see, like, what's going wrong. Like, why are you not? Because um, I wouldn't ovulate at all. Mm-hmm. And so we went and did the surgery. Um, I tried to do the surgery and they do it while you're awake, no mm-hmm. medication or anything. Oh. Mm-hmm. And, um, my, it was during COVID. I was oh. in the car. It was during oh, COVID. Oh no. Yeah, it was great. The worst. But my cervix is unable to dilate. Oh, okay. So I could not get pregnant because of that. Mm-hmm. Well, I went to the, I had to go have like, I had to go be put under and have a surgery and, It was really rough. I had an allergic reaction to the anesthesia. Like, it was just all the things. And um, as we started on this journey, I just told Alec, I was like, I don't feel like peace about this doctor. I just, I don't. And so we prayed about it. And our insurance is very interesting. And insurance is horrible when it comes to infertility. Mm. And we were like, God, we need you to put something in our lap. And, um, we got in touch with a doctor named Dr. Josh Grupski. He's um, out of the Houston Fertility Clinic, but he practices in Beaumont on Tuesday and Thursdays. And so we started our journey there and he was so kind and so sweet and really, it felt like he really cared about us. And he's like, we're going to do everything we can not to have you have to do IVF because we told them, we're like, there's just no possible way. Right. Like we're 22, 23. Like mm-hmm. we do not have $30,000. No. No. Uh, and we really don't want to take out a loan. Like we just don't. Yeah. And we just started praying about it. And, you know, it was really rough. And I have a video of 
every month taking a pregnancy test. Oh. And it's negative after negative after negative after negative. And then we started taking shots, which was a stretch financially for us. A big stretch. And because it was about with all of my blood work, I had to go to the doctor like some weeks, three or four times. Wow. The shots were like $300. So, I mean, all in all, every month we were spending about six to $700 on mm. infertility. And at 23 and 24 in yeah. ministry, that's mm -hmm. just not there. Right. And we literally had to just, I mean, surrender everything. And we went through the first treatments of, um, I would do shots and they were not working. And, um, it didn't matter what we did. They were not working. And, the doctor told us that we have to go to IUI, which is artificial insemination. And we were like, okay, well, you know, they gave us the sheet. They had a financial counselor call us and we're like, oh gosh. And it was going to be about $4,000 out of pocket a month. Mm. Um, and my doctor said, I can only let you do this twice because if you do it more than twice, your chances, this only has a 12% chance of working anyway, oh. but every chance you do it, it drops down. Okay. And so if you do this too many times, it, if I have to send you to IVF, the IVF, it's going to be hard for IVF because your body already has all this stuff in it. Oh. And we were trying to figure out, like we were looking at IVF clinics out of country, um, in Panama, um, we found one of our friends had to go through IVF. So we knew that, you know, there was a really good doctor clinic, but how are we going to have three weeks in Panama to be able to go through this process and mm -hmm. just all the things. And, um, it was, it was youth camp and I didn't want to spend money on the shots and all the medication because it was very expensive, but I was going to be, I was very stressed out at camp, mm -hmm. um, because we had 200 students, like it was a big thing. And mm -hmm. I didn't want to have to worry about right. if I ovulated, if the shot worked, if I'm right. pregnant, like I just didn't want to worry about that. Sure. And so I told Alec, I was like, let's take a month off and let's save up. Let's mm -hmm. act like we're doing a treatment to save up for it. And he was like, perfect. Well, then the next month we went on a cruise and I wasn't allowed to take my shots on a cruise. And so I was like, okay, well, I mean, it's already been two years. So what's another two months? Like right. whatever. And at camp, the last night, um, we have an opportunity for our students to receive the Holy Spirit. And um, I was praying with some students, and I just walked, you know, to the side, and I just started praying by myself. And uh, Macy Page and Bailey, which is Alex's cousin, they came over, and we all just got in a huddle, and they put their hands on my stomach, and they just started praying and praying and praying. And I was like, God, I, I, I believe in you. Like, I believe that you will do this. I just need you to come through. Like, you know, that we like do not have money. Like we've literally given our life to you. We wow. are, we have laid down our life to serve you. Like, and we don't have the money to do this. My faith is dwindling. I am so tired of every month getting said, no, 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 yeah. no. Like you're just going to have to come through. And I just, you know, I just let it be. And, we got home from our cruise and a few weeks later, <clears throat> this pastor's wife was here and she came up to me in the altar and she said, I don't want to be weird, but is there a way that I could, um, can I pray over you? And I was like, yeah. And she said, this is even like a weirder request. Can I, can I put my hand on your left ovary? And I was like, yeah. And that's the one that would not ovulate. 
And she was praying and she said something and she said, God, I pray that the life is inside her would continue to live. And I was like, what? And my Nana was at my house with a shaved head, staples in her head from her open craniotomy. She had two weeks before. I am like at the point where I had faith that God was going to heal my Nana, but um, you, I inevitably knew there's nobody that's been cured of glioblastoma. And I'm struggling so much in my faith. And she said that, and I was like, that that's just weird. Like the life inside me, I pray that it continues to live. And I had one extra pregnancy test in the bottom of my cabinet and I went and took it. And before I could even like turn it over, like I was going to turn it over so I could get my phone out to record myself. It had two lines. And I was like, like instantly, like instantly. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And so I told Alec, I was like, Hey, I've got to run to Walgreens. I got to go get some stuff. I'll be right back. Him and Paul are watching football. And I run to Walgreens and I get more pregnancy tests. And I come back home and I'm like chugging water on the way there so I can <laughs> go to the bathroom again to take the pregnancy test. And I get back and I go in and I take three more pregnancy tests. <laughs> and they all immediately positive, 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 positive. And I was like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And I like go get Alec. And I'm like, hey, somebody give us a really nice card at church. But I'm like, I'm scared to read it because I'm, I think I'm going to get emotional. Can you come outside with me? I don't want Nana and Paul to see me get like that. Cause I didn't cry around Nana except for when she told me. And um, I really wanted to be strong for her. And so I asked him to come outside with me and I handed him a card and it said, wherever my heart is, wherever you are is where my heart is. And um, I wrote, uh, wherever your heart and baby Keating's heart is, my heart is as well. And so he found out and it was so cute because I gave him the three pregnancy tests and he was like, does this mean we're having three? And I was like, no, 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 no. That's just like confirmation. Like I just needed to make sure my sweet buddy thought we were having triplets. So I was like, before he passes out, let me explain how that works. And so, um, yeah, it was a long two years. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I remember like on Mother's Day, I think it was Mother's Day, um, there was a panel that um, several of y'all were sitting on the platform and you didn't say, oh, I'm infertile, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not able to get pregnant, mm-hmm. but you talked about women that weren't mothers or mothers of, um, you know, stepchildren or what, and mm-hmm. so I was like, you know, because all women, you know, they want to hear the story yeah. behind the, you I know. I tried so. to be so careful because I didn't want the stress of everybody coming up to me every Sunday asking, yeah. me like, hey, has it worked yet? Oh, and because I, I did imagine. have a lady come up and she had found out because she had listened in to me praying with somebody and I was trying to have a private moment with them and she eavesdropped and um, she came up to me one Sunday and she's like, hey, I don't mean to be this person, but like, is your body working yet? And I was like, Oh no, but I can send you my Venmo to help me pay for the stuff that I'm trying to do to get my body. Oh, to work. good for you. Because Ooh. if you, and then I asked her, I said, no, it's not working. But if you would like to, I live right here by the church. You can come sit in the bathroom and cry with me when I get another 
negative pregnancy test. Oh, wow. And so I tried to be so careful about how I spoke about it because Mm -hmm. with infertility, there's so much pressure on you anyway. And I, I didn't want the added pressure. And so I really waited until I could tell this side of the story, you know, whatever that looked like, whether it would have been adoption or, Hey, Mm -hmm. it didn't work at all. Right. Um, And so, yeah. And, and in the midst of it, let, let me just go back and, in the midst of this, can't say without crying, you're singing on the platform, mm-hmm. you're preaching, mm-hmm. you're preaching love, you're preaching faith, you're preaching, preaching grace, and if people didn't know, like nosy women pick up on little cues, they wouldn't have known. Yeah. And that is both mind-boggling that you could do that, and awe-inspiring that you could do that and and still because we all go through whether it's that or or things mm-hmm. and I want to talk about your Nana in a yeah. second too but we all grow th- go through things where your faith is weary mm-hmm. where your body and your mind and your spirit are weary but yet you still have to press on yes and most of us can do that in the privacy of our own homes or on our own jobs but not leading a church, you know, to my faith is weak or I'm struggling with this, but God is good and it's going to happen for you. And, you know, so that's, um, that is very commendable that y'all could go through that. And, and also kind of sad that you kind of had to go through that Mm. and not be able to, you know, be transparent. Yeah. So what was that like? You know, we always hear the infertility stories from the women. Alec, what was that like for you watching her and then having to go through that yourself? It's very helpless. You can't do much. And so you just are there to support. You're there to hold her when she cries. And uh, you want to cry too, but there's there's moments that you just got to be the tough one and you got to be like, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to cry so I can hold her. There's a lot of emotions that go with it yeah. just from the male perspective, but uh, having to put some of those aside just to support because there is so much stress and there's so much pressure on her plate. Right. Um, the, the male pressure is um, to, to provide, you know, at least financially for your family. You want to take care of your family. And a lot of times... Uh, we learned through this process that I may get my worth from taking care of my family. Um, I, I want to take care of my family. So I get value from that. Well, a lot of times women, not, not every time, but a lot of times women will get their value from, well, they, they have the job of, or the ability to help start the family. Right? They are the one that actually makes the child. So um, they have, and at least with me and Taylor, Taylor found that the pressure for her was to start the family and to, to, to bear a child and so when her body wasn't functioning the way that she we wanted it to that pressure was immense sure. and loving and supporting her through that was was really difficult but i taylor did a phenomenal job of not letting um like you said on a sunday you would still see her she's worshiping and leading worship yeah. and um she's not over in a corner just shriveled up right yeah. and it wasn't fake it was real it was real. She was on there still believing that God could do the miracle in herself, but also believing that God could do that in somebody else. Yeah. And even though she didn't see the results of that, 
And her, in that moment, she was believing for other people. And it was real. She wasn't faking it. It, right. it really was real that she could, at the same time, pray for herself, but also believe for other people. Right. And uh, she did phenomenal at that. It's still trusting God, no matter, even though you could, she couldn't see the, uh, the evidence of it yet. Yeah. And people didn't know, and they probably didn't notice, but... There was a lot of songs that I would sing, specifically like House of Miracles and I Speak Jesus and all that kind of stuff. And people didn't notice it, but every time I would sing those songs, I'd put my hand on my stomach. Mm -hmm. oh. She's praying over And I was praying over myself while I was singing that, hey, I, I believe it for you. Like I, I speak Jesus over your family. I was speaking Jesus over the family. I do have a family with him, but I was speaking Jesus over like my kids that I don't have yet that yeah. I needed. And and then house of miracles come alive in the name of Jesus, come alive in the name of Jesus. This is a like my body is a temple and right. that's a house. Like my body is a house. And so this is a house of miracles. I believe that my body is a house of miracles. Right. So come alive womb, come alive in the yeah. name of Jesus, come wow. alive in the name of Jesus. My body is a house of miracles. And <laughs> That's just what I had to do to, you know, keep going. And, and that's why it looked authentic to you because it was authentic that we weren't up there putting on a show. We were, she's, she's up there leading worship. But she's praying over her womb as yeah. she's leading worship. Mm -hmm. That's why it's authentic is because yeah. we're not up there to, to put on a show. And um, you hear a lot of times preachers say, well, I'm preaching to myself too. Man, when I'm up there speaking during those moments, I'm encouraging myself, as the word says. I'm encouraging myself at the same time, too. And uh, that's why, especially during that time, our ministry seemed like you could never tell we were going through that. Yeah. Is because we were being ministered to while we were ministering. Yeah. <laughs> and it's cool how that works sometimes. Yeah. It was really cool. It, it, uh, one of the very first sermons I heard your dad preach um, I can't remember the name of it, but it was this, the story of the uh, widow woman that um, made the, the meal for the, for the prophet, mm -hmm. Elijah or Elisha, I get them confused. Mm -hmm. um, and um, he had, I'm pretty sure everybody in the church uh, brought a container, mm -hmm. you know, and, and the, the platform was full of containers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, while people are going through things, mm -hmm. Oil is being poured into them and out of yep. them. And I will never, ever, ever forget that sermon. And, and that your life in this situation mirrored that. And that's so beautiful that ministering to others minister to you. That, that's gorgeous. I love, love that story. So where did the name Shepherd come from? So, uh, Psalms 23 and one says, the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing or I shall not want. Right. And we had to get to a point in our infertility journey that I, I think it's like become one of my things that I say, but when I pray, I tell Jesus, if you don't do anything else for me, what you've done is enough. And we had to come to that realization that even though it's like the greatest desire of our heart to be parents, that the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. I lack nothing. Right. And if it's not God's will for us to be parents, um, then I lack nothing. I shall not want. Wow. wow. And so we just really had to live that verse out. And then um, based off of my due date, the day before my Nana got diagnosed with uh, 
grade four glioblastoma was the day that I conceived Shep. And um, so during that journey of, you know, essentially my mom is dying. Um, I'm pregnant with my first child. I'm, yeah. This is the moment that, you know, as a, ba- as a little girl, you dream about your wedding and you dream about having a baby. Mm-hmm. And I was so broken and we were on the cruise when we found out mm-hmm. about my Nana and she had started having memory problems and she had had a little seizure in her uh, kitchen where she, she couldn't talk. And I remember standing in Alec's office or it was my office at the time and Medina was there and Alec was there and I remember sliding down the, the wall and I said, my Nana has a brain tumor. And they were like, no, you don't know that. Y'all don't, you don't know that yet. You don't know that yet. Like she hasn't gone to get her MRI. You don't know. Don't speak that. Mm-hmm. Like, no, my Nana has a brain tumor. And you know, what do you do in that moment? Like, and everybody that knows me knows what my Nana is to me. Um, and I say is because she still is. Absolutely. She wasn't, she, she isn't, even though she's not here, like my love didn't die when she died. Um, And she is still to me. And I had to start praying the second part of that verse now. So now I've gotten what I essentially prayed for, Mm -hmm but I'm losing the second most important person in my life. And the next part of that verse is the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside the still waters. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thy rod and their staff. They comfort me. And I had to pray the rest of that prayer. Mm. And I started doing, um, I've been to Israel and I, I love like, studying Jewish things and I love studying um, what words really mean and all that kind of stuff. And I started doing a study on a shepherd mm-hmm. um, a few months ago and I listened to something that a rabbi said and he said that what we don't realize is in that verse, we think when I think of he makes me lie down in green pastures, I think of like the sound of music and mm-hmm. like you're just like, Mm-hmm. Running and hills are alive. Yes, mm-hmm. and you're just—it's just beautiful and lush, and there's just—I mean, it's just green everywhere. Mm-hmm. He said, but really, what that scripture means is, he said, the shepherds back in the Bible times—they were in the desert, mm-hmm. and he said, so when I'm saying the Lord is my shepherd, He makes me lie down in green pastures. Really, what it's really talking about is little patches of grass. Oh wow. And as they're walking their sheep through the desert, they're just trying to get to that next piece of grass so their sheep can lay down. Mm -hmm. And it always was funny. He said that it always seemed that a shepherd never said or never came back and said, or there's no record of it, of there wasn't enough grass for my sheep to eat while we were there. And so I look back at that now Mm -hmm. and I was walking through, I am walking through the worst time in my life, hands down. Mm -hmm. But if I can just get to that next pasture, right, then I can lay down and I can, he, he lets me lay down in those green pastures mm-hmm. and then he'll lead me beside the still waters. And so I think that's something that was so revelatory to me, but you know, that verse was kind of woven in our entire story of Shep and my Nana. Mm-hmm. And so when we found out that he was a boy, we had a few other names, but we were like, 
um, this was our verse. Like this was mm-hmm. our thing. Like, is it weird if we name him Shepherd? <laughs> and we both were like, no, that's that's who he is. That that's his yeah. name. And so, consider some of the names ship. out there. There's a ship. Is, ship. ship is a cute There's one. Yeah, ship. little Shepherd. That's awesome. That that's that's really cool. And again, coming back to the maturity and the the grace that God has given you guys to be living basically the best of times and the worst of times at the same time. Yeah. How was that? How was that for you, Alec? Um, you know, it's, it's, it was a very different time for me, um, uh, having, being excited for your first mm-hmm. child, also, um, being there to support your wife as she grieves, um, someone who's still living. Mm-hmm. And that, that was, that was a difficult for Taylor. And, and now she's having to grieve that person, even though she's gone. Um, so, I mean, she definitely went through some difficult times and is still going through those, but, um, been so proud to watch her walk through that and walk through it, always relying on God, no matter what. And you can say that you want to do that, Mm -hmm. but truly walking that out is much more difficult. And there's a lot of questions, um, that you have to ask in those times. And I think that's why you have to be plugged into a church is because if Taylor and I were not plugged into a church, um, we we wouldn't have anywhere to go with our questions. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we we had a place to run with our questions. And the church should be a safe place for questions. And Mm -hmm. thank God we had a good safe church that is uh, a place where you can ask questions and you can get real answers Mm -hmm. and not need up answers. Yeah, I think people, they, they, misquote that scripture of not questioning God. Oh yeah. You know, I I'm not a Bible scholar and mm. I, I don't know to, to go how to go back and, you know, yeah. you know, flesh out the actual verse. But we're human. Mm. You know, so obviously we're gonna question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I understand we see through a glass darkly and when we mm. get over there we'll understand it. Da 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 da. Um I'm not being disrespectful dis- disrespectful of the scriptures, but as humans walking mm-hmm. this life, mm-hmm. this faith, um, and God knows us, He made us, yeah. um, that it's okay to ask questions. Oh, yeah. You know, it's okay to trust and be in disbelief at the same time. Yeah. John the Baptist is facing imminent death. He's in prison. He knows he's about to be beheaded. Uh, and he sends off some of his disciples. He sends word and we're like, hey, just one more time, let me know if Jesus is really who he says he is. Getting word to Jesus that, hey, are you, is this really the, because I'm about to die if it's not. Yeah. Horrible death. And uh, he receives that peace that, okay, Jesus is who he says he is. But John the Baptist, the yeah. one who prepared the way, the, yeah. this dude's legit. Like mm-hmm. he sees Jesus from afar and says, here comes the Savior of the world right here. That guy still had questions, even in his faith. Yeah. And so questions are a, a good thing for your faith um, because as long as you're getting answers to those questions, they're faith builders. Yeah. If you just keep a question, you never see an answer. It'll destroy your faith. Sure. You have to seek out the answers. And that's really why I believe one of the major reasons we have the word of God is because it provides an answer for your questions. Yeah. There's never been a time in my life that I couldn't go to the Bible and find an answer for what I was going through. Mm-hmm. Um and we're living in a time when you can you can also Google, <laughs> <laughs> right? So. Be careful which uh, which uh, website you go to. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. And um, but 
yeah, during that time, we had to really rely and ask a lot of questions and, and rely on the people close to us to help mentor us through that. And you got to have that. And But it was, it, it was a difficult time. But uh, grief is okay. It's okay yeah. to grieve. Jesus said he's close to those who mourn. And he's going to walk you through it. Sadness yeah. is not a sin. Right, right. It <laughs> um, is not. And uh, he's close to those who mourn. And we've seen that. We've really experienced that in this season. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. I love listening to Taylor as she sings these lyrics from Been So Good by Elevation Worship. I call you faithful for the promises you've kept and for every need you've met. Lord, I'm so grateful. You are with me every step and I will never forget. For every mountain, for every time you've brought me through, I call you faithful and I just want to thank you, Lord. Alec and Taylor will insist they are nothing special, that God is near to all of us in the same way He is to them. We too can be ministers to others while we ourselves are being ministered to. Join me next week and we will pick up right here talking about sadness and grief and God's faithfulness. I'm really glad you joined me for today's episode. If you heard something that spoke to you, please take a second and share this podcast across the social media platforms. Follow me on Instagram and Facebook at JJ Life on Purpose so we can stay connected. Until next time, remember, you always have a choice, so choose joy.